Welcome to the internet, live from the Marriott Library at the University of Utah in a closet somewhere in the Logan metropolitan area. This is the Redline Podcast. I'm your host, quote, nickname, unquote, Dunstan, and these are my co-hosts... Kyle Holland and... Alex Fielder. Today we're talking about the future of Salt Lake City's tracks like rail system. We'll talk ballpark spurs and central corridors after the news. If you can't tell, we have lots of opinions about this. We have so many opinions about this. Do, 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 do. Okay, uh, news item one. As it turns out, electing Livia Chow mayor of Toronto was a good idea. Mere months after she assumed office, the devastating service cuts the TTC faced at the end of last year and through the beginning of this year are being reversed. The mayor's office has promised to return bus service to 99% of the city's pre-pandemic levels by the end of the year after restoring funding to operate the new Line 5 that was stripped from the earlier budget. Based. Dang, people in control of funding levers improving service? Interesting concept, I We know. could use some of that around here. <laughs> Restoring 99% of bus service is insane. Is yeah. that, like, they just cut, like, one route? No, so they'd cut... Oh, I think they just probably lost a couple of trips or something somewhere. Yeah. Uh, well, 99% is pretty much 100%. Yeah. I, I think that that counts. Yeah, no, I, I'm stunned. That's, uh... Good job. Good job, Toronto. Yeah, um, and they were at like 85% as of weeks ago, so this is going to be a pretty big, like. That's impressive. Pretty big jump, especially for a service service. as large as the TTC, so. Can we get that much service increase on change day instead of like a new route once every two years? Which deletes service off of other routes? Yeah. Uh, Uh,. In other Great Lakes City news, Toronto's Great Lake, Toronto's sister Great Lakes megalopolis, Chicago, has also seen huge improvements to service in recent months, as laid out by a recent Meeting the Moment report put out by agency head Dorval Carter. Average rail service was 88% of budgeted numbers this August, nearly a 22% jump from last year. Bus service has also finally reached 96% of uh, scheduled service. That's great for buses. I'm still amused that rail service is a statistic and not a schedule, but we'll, well get there it someday. Well, it is scheduled, so like <laughs> they're getting 88% of their scheduled trains run. Wow, that's a big improvement, from what I've heard at least. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty impressive. Uh. They're, they're, they're not missing half of all blue line trips anymore, which I would say is an improvement. What, are they only missing a third now? <laughs> Basically. That's that's a good improvement. Yeah, so well, frequency is like every 10 minutes instead of every 15 to 30 minutes. Every 10 yeah. minutes. Uh, I expect it to get better, but that's still, that's fantastic. It better get better. Inshallah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, hopefully in the near future, CTA will be able to put its ghost slash bus, or wait, wait. Hopefully in the near future, the CTA will be able to put its ghost slash bus slash train era in the past. Whoa. Good one. My pronouns are bus slash train. (laughs) (laughs) Noted. And, you know, with the red-purple modernization and all that marching along at pace with massive amounts of uh, funding, hopefully be good, fast, modern, reliable, maybe even clean. Uh, no. Oh, okay. Eh, I'd settle for fast and reliable. I suppose. I'd settle for reliable. 
Most people there would probably settle for reliable. I would also settle for reliable, but for trains here, because my red line was seven minutes late this morning. Bruh. <laughs> Did it, like, just, like, give up? And just They're running four-car trains. You know what four-car oh, trains right. do to reliability on the red line. They go around the curves. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, this has been the news. Trademark. Sorry. Do, 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 do. Thank Doom. you. <laughs> Neil. Uh, okay. okay. Alex, would you like to tell us, oh. as a Logan resident, about <laughs> UCA, which does yeah, not tell, operate in Logan? Tell us the current facts of, ooh, this is interesting, of UTA's light rail. Yeah, sure. Um, so, present day UTA light rail. Uh, we have 45 miles of tracks with four lines red, green, blue, and the S line streetcar. Um, three streetcar points. isn't scare quotes. Yeah, no, it's um, it's not too much it's, of a streetcar. It's, it's, it's on its, its own slow light rail. rail. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. with ghost, ghost trains, but they look like ghosts <laughs> instead. I mean, <laughs> but they ordering. also, before change day, were not showing up a lot because they kept having to reduce the 30-minute headways because of the operator shortage on weekdays, so. So they were vis- visually and physically ghost trains. Um, In all aspects except um, something, they are a ghost. Great. And um, at three points of the trackage, it connects the front runner, the regional rail, Um this is at Salt Lake Central, North Temple, which is the most important, and I would say my favorite, and Murray Central. Um, and all the lines oh, I thought are... You were gonna... yeah. I thought you were going to say that Murray Central is the like your favorite, and I was no, about no. ready to hit you with a you, stick. You oh, well, kidding me? I sure, love, I sure love the transfer point that only exists because the right-of-ways happen to touch. I mean, it's a pretty fortunate occurrence. It certainly is. It's yeah. undeniably useful, but... But, I don't know, I would defy anyone who says North Temple is not the best connection. Yeah. True, and we're going to have a lot of discussion about North Temple today, because as it turns out, I think that Salt Lake Central is stupid. This is well known. (laughs) Well, I would love to talk about Salt Lake Central. Maybe bring in the Rio Grande plan a bit? Yes, actually. Ooh. (laughs) Well, anyway... All lines are able to run up to four car trains, giving the system much, much more capacity than it needs. And only the blue line is fully equipped to run the older high floor classic cars. It's funny that we can do these four car trains because, you know, everyone in Seattle likes to be like, oh, our trains are so big and we're so cool. And I'm like, fun fact, UTA can run more capacity than you can. Just because more track? (laughs) Um, along the central corridor, I believe that we're signaled at a higher for a higher frequency what? than sound than, transit has great separation. Like, yeah, but we're still signaled for two minute headways. Oh boy! So we can like theoretically like if because a, a tracks train train can theoretically hold like eight hundred people, a four car that is. I mean, on game day, it sure does. It sure might. Yeah, <laughs> it probably exceeds. So that. like, yeah. So if you multiply that by 30 trains an hour, you can move, like, 24,000 people per direction per hour through the central corridor. Theoretically on, like, game day. Theoretically. But I don't think that that is a feat that Link has accomplished yet. So 
Get on, Seattle. We did four-car <laughs> trains before it was cool. I gotta say, the long trains come in very handy when any event happens ever. Oh, yeah. Because we never up frequency for events. Yeah, Ex- we do. Well, except, except for on select... Except Utah football games. We, yeah. we up frequency on, like, select weekend events, but for the most part, we just make the trains longer. So since we're not increasing the frequency, we got to compensate with train length. Maybe someday we'll do both. <laughs> <laughs> what a grand idea I mean at least we're not Portland where they just don't do any game day services Bruh. and just have their same two car trains and just crowd and the entirety fits. of a stadium into two car trains and if they don't fit I mean <laughs> mostly yes yeah go us but I suppose when you have that many lines anyway Yeah. alright so how's our ridership bad uh, 36,000 riders on any given day, which is far down from pre-pandemic times, uh, when the system carried generally closer to 60,000 per day. Rip, I wonder if there's like a, a list of clear reasons for why this has happened. Oh yeah, it's not as though that's slightly further down on the document. Um, well, Redline has the highest ridership out of all of them. And it's also the longest line and has connection to the U of U um, and gets about roughly... 16,000 a day. Which is still, I would like to mention, the most ridden line of any line, including Frontrunner. Unfortunately. So, just saying. Uh, Blue Line is second, runs from downtown to South Valley, about um, 11,000 riders per day. And Green Line is the last, runs from airport, and then through downtown on a short spur line to West Valley City, 8,000 a day. (coughs) Which is uh. <laughs> pitiful. And then there's the not tracks, uh, known as the S line, uh, which runs from Central Point Station to Sugar House. It's about two miles long and carries roughly a thousand people a day. Wow. Slightly less than um, the nine, the two, the four, or <laughs> a number of other bus routes. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of pathetic. And it's not like there are there's like one clear thing we can do to massively increase the utility of the S line. No. But we'll get into that. Uh, rolling stock. So we have 40, quote, this is what it's referred to within UTA, I would like to say. So this is official terminology. They're called, quote, classic, unquote, uh, high floor with stairs vehicles, the Siemens SD100 and SD160. Uh, 20 of these are scheduled to be replaced by a grant from the FTA in the next several years. Really? I didn't know that. You did. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I've heard all the talk about eventually replacing the trains. I didn't know we actually had money for it. Oh, and I think it was a news item a few, like a month or two ago. Yeah. Well, I, I look to forward to that because those things are massive pieces of work. So, yeah, I think they'll get rid of all the SD100s. And then they can start on the 65 mile an hour upgrades. Yes, because the SD so the SD one hundreds can only run fifty five max, but the SD one sixties, although they're kind of a bitch to accelerate to that speed, according <laughs> to tracks operator friends, they can make sixty five like the seventies can. Uh, and then we have also seventy seven Siemens S seventies. That's a mouthful. Um, with a max speed of sixty five and a passenger capacity of like two hundred sixteen or something. Theoretically on game day. Theoretically on game day. These yeah. these those are the actually nice to ride ones because they're accessible in every car. And they were made in the twenty first century. 
Yeah, and they don't make <laughs> weird noises, and the doors aren't always broken, and the HVAC is tolerable, and they have any sound insulation. If you can't tell, I'm I'm not, not much a of fan. I'm not much of a fan of the classics, other than in aesthetic alone. Yeah, that's um, fair. Yeah, uh, the, I was gonna say something clever, but now I can't remember. Uh, give me a sec. Call me an SD one hundred the way I suck. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, and the crowd goes wild for the comedy <laughs> stylings of me. Good one. By far UTA's highest quality and most used single service, Trax has among the longest spans of service, and unlike most other routes, its service quality remains consistently high throughout the day. There's no drop-off for evening hours like there is on green buses. That is an interesting note, because some of the original plans for Trax called for variable frequency throughout the day, matching, you know evening and morning and midday and late night demand levels. But they ended up not doing that. We run a flat service pattern all day, which is 15 minutes Monday through Saturday as of uh, the of a week ago and 30 minutes on <laughs> Sunday, which is a brilliant, brilliant from a user experience perspective. I'll say that much. Uh, another thing to do with that is that the reason we do that is probably because of our span of service limitations. Because you can't run it any later than whenever. So the budget, you know. But, oh, and they have started doing ads and cuts again. I don't know if you've noticed that. Where they put the trains together? Where they take them apart and put them together at end of lines for variable capacity. I thought they decided that they weren't going to do that because it breaks automatic couplers. They changed their mind again. What, because the college students started riding? Yeah. Yeah, fair. (laughs) They really like to change their mind on that one, so... (laughs) Uh, also notable, Trax is quite fast, uh, averaging close to 25 miles per hour across the entire system and 30 miles an hour in the suburbs. Many full-fledged metro systems, like the Chicago L or New York subway, actually are uh, slightly slower on average than Trax light rail. Not to mention that the suburban part is only partly grade-separated. It's mostly at-grade in freight corridor with grade crossings. I mean, grade crossings are effectively the same as a grade separation from an, a- from an operating standpoint. From an standpoint. operating speed standpoint, yes, that's true. Yeah. But from a cost standpoint, we're getting very good speed ROI. Yeah, you just have an uh, issue once in a while <laughs> at the crossings, <laughs> but... Issue is a nice euphemism for what you're talking about. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I thought I'd be <laughs> delicate. That's probably a good choice. Uh, by what by issue, Alex means occasionally a person gets absolutely creamed into the next dimension. After going around an active great crossing warning device. <laughs> which is a big so, problem. It's always after going around an active crossing warning device. Which it, it's especially a problem close to downtown when the UP trains stop in the middle and the grade crossings always oh no that's quite yeah yeah well that does happen on tracks as well though yeah similar similar sort of things yeah like at central point there's enough trains going through there that like sometimes the grade crossing will barely go up for just a second people will decide oh it's good to go but it immediately comes back down because there's another train coming this is why you don't go until the bell stops ringing it's state law 
Yeah, and yeah. if you're ever out using the system, you will notice a lot of impatient pedestrians just doing their best or... to look both ways and walk into an active grade crossing. Fortunately, most of them survive. Well, and this Please leads don't. us. Fortunately, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, and this leads us to problems, <laughs> which the, um... yes, of which there are uh, a, a whole list. So, yeah. Kyle, you do problem number one. First one, relatively low frequency. Not relatively. Don't relatively me. This is a rail service. <laughs> Actually, that's not the right word. You're right. Objectively low frequency. While Trax has relatively high frequency compared to other services around it in uh, Salt Lake County, as a rail service, 15-minute service is kind of just not that good. As uh, Donald Trump would say, pathetic. The, maybe the worst in the history of service, maybe ever. Yeah, Huge. it's kind of a waste of all of the amazing infrastructure we have that could easily handle significantly more service. And I mean, well, it couldn't is the problem. Uh, yeah, it could. Orange Line. The Central Corridor. Orange Line wouldn't go on the Central Corridor. Well, I know, but to increase service on the other three tracks lines, you would have to have an alternate to the Central Corridor. Because... It is not possible to run more than 16 trains an hour over a surface corridor, according to UTA. Love grade crossings. We could probably pull, like, 20, but that's not that much more. No. No, it's not the grade crossings that are the problem. You can run as many trains as you want over that. (laughs) The CTA runs, like, 30 trains an hour over... (laughs) No, it's the the street running sections. You can't run more than 16 trains an hour over that. Which well, means that But frequency... they're drive by sight, so you can put them as close together as you want. I've seen those operators. <laughs> the signals. Oh yeah. The, the, the it the doesn't work with traffic. Lights. Yeah. So so you can't run more than sixteen trains an hour over the surface corridor, and so it's impossible to increase service frequency on the three mainline tracks lines beyond twelve minutes. Oh, so UDOT can have enough green time to run infinity everything per hour, this but UTA can't. This is just a limitation of surface running light rail in general, not of UTA specifically. Definitely sort of is. I'm sure we could pull like twenty. No. Y- Didn't like you Calgary can't... or something do like twenty? Calgary has a transit mall with no intersecting traffic. No intersecting traffic? Not not even like just it crosses. It's pedestrianized. Well, that doesn't mean no traffic crosses it at all. Calgary is a very different situation than than that alignment is, Kyle. Okay, more track then. Yes. So, it's hard to improve the service that we do have, which already kind of sucks, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, speed. Um, for all its good elements, tracks is still slow especially compared to driving, which is its main competitor. Uh, trains are limited to 50 miles uh, per hour and the faster sections of low alignment and cool along to a painfully slow 25 in the downtown areas. Yeah, 55 is a little bit silly when you're just going in a straight line in a vacuum. Yeah. Which tracks does a lot. <laughs> So, you know, I wouldn't mind if the trains could go, like, 80, but we'll be settling for 65 in the near future. Well, and this isn't an issue with track spacing, is it? It's just rolling stock. It's, it's rolling just stock. rolling stock and track maintenance standards. Yeah. 
quote, was, maintenance, unquote. <laughs> it was essentially a design decision that was made when Trax was built, is that we're going to build this for 55, maybe 65 in some areas later in front lines. If they had decided when they built the system they were going to build it for 80, we would have a system that ran 80. Yeah, but, but that it wasn't would have had to be a very a different system. Because you wouldn't be able to use the same light rail trains, you'd have to spend more different on track maintenance. Higher stop spacing. Yeah. Or distance between stop spacing, I should say. Anyways, but that's a design decision we made. 65 upgrade. And then as far as the 25 in downtown areas, that was a questionable infrastructure decision made where we just did not put a curb in between the roadway and the median running trains. And we put a rumble it has strip. And 25 instead of 35. By FRA regulation, yes. If we simply had a curb instead of a rumble strip, we could go like 35. That may actually be fixed with the pedestrianization of Main Street. It probably would be, because if you did that, you'd want to put at least like a waist-height fence. Although you would have to replace the the switches, probably. Oh, almost certainly. The switches Switches are are related, and they're rated for 25 anyway. Also, why do all of our switches, why is the crossing motion on all of our switches rated for like 10 or 15? Why don't we get faster switches? Money. Great. Well, because switches are all one big piece, right? You uh-huh. can't, like, take them apart. So the faster and it's better longer. your switch is, the longer it is, the bigger it is, and the harder it is to, A, make, and B, install. Lovely. So, like, when they do the Grand Union Junction at, <laughs> at Main Street and 4th South, that is going to be a true mother trucker of a switch. <laughs> oh. Okay. Problem number three, poor connections. UTA's feeder bus network was not by any means perfect before the pandemic, and COVID cuts have absolutely gutted it. Uh, The South Valley feeder network has been effectively dismantled, and buses all along the Mid-Valley now run at sometimes less than half of the frequency they did before the pandemic. (sighs) This is one of the main driving reasons for poor tracks ridership today. We mentioned 36,000 over 60,000 pre-pandemic. Because Trax is fast and goes basically everywhere downtown, which makes it extremely useful as a suburban commuter service or even just a getting around during the day service because it's 2023 and not all trips are commutes to downtown Untrue. offices. Untrue. Every <laughs> trip I have ever made on UTA tracks has been to a downtown office. No comment. Um, So without all those feeder buses to get people from places they actually live to the train stations, which are mostly not by any substantial density. And when you say mostly, you mean entirely, except Sandy Sandy Civic Civic Center. Yeah. So without those feeder buses, you can't get the people on the trains that they want to be on. So bring them back. Skill issue. Make them better than they were to begin with. Well, and yep, this is an issue purely because of budget, isn't it? Budget and operator operators, shortage. yeah. Mostly operators. Yeah, but the we budget could, we could, drives the operator We could shortage. squeeze more budget if we needed to because UTA currently spends a chunk of their operating budget on capital projects like OGX and the Mid-Valley Connector and mm-hmm. whatever other latest nice thing they have <laughs> that... While they're pretty cool, they don't have to spend money on those things if they think the money would be better spent on operations. So we could have had better bus feeding service instead of OGX and had a far if we OGX, could have operators. pretty much. Oh, also, also, fun fact, yeah. uh, we, Kyle and I have empirically determined that OGX is slower than the 603. We rode the 603 once <laughs> and OGX once and OGX took a couple of minutes longer. 
Okay, we are so suspecting that even under passenger load, it will not be substantially faster than the 603. You know what? That is fantastic to hear. I don't want my BRT to be rapid. They should call it BT, Bus, bus Transit. transit. Yeah, and not then, OGX, just OG, Ogden. <laughs> Good one. Well, okay, well, it's always nice to know we wasted a whole bunch of money that we could have used to solve other problems that would have helped yeah. everyone more, but... Um, okay. Okay, well, so feeder buses, not so much. Fre- massive frequency cuts as soon as you get south of, like, South Salt Lake and Mill Creek. Um, removal of lots and lots of buses once you get into the south end of the valley, which is, ironically, where there's a lot of track service and few ways to get to it. Yeah. Well, besides poor connections, uh, we have the safety problem. Uh, there's lots of concerns about the safety and cleanliness, especially on the blue line. Yeah, that's true. Um, Salt Lake and the surrounding areas are generally a safe city. We don't have, like, massive violent crime problems. Interesting. So your chances of, like, getting stabbed or mugged on the train are, like, essentially zero. Well, this is an issue that UTA is taking very seriously at the moment because there has actually been a rise of violent incidents on the line. All right, then. That's new. I'm not discouraging anyone from writing because it's almost certainly not your problem. Yeah, so we're in the very early stages of safety problems with the post-pandemic ridership drops and all the social stuff that's been happening since then. I've been doing some consulting as a a train host on a Mm -hmm. project that UTA is working on for ambassadors on tracks, and that is a thing that has been brought up a lot, is that there are a lot of concerns about that at the moment. So so we want to, as an... Did you pitch our MILF idea? To, uh, <laughs> I did pitch the MILF idea, okay, yes. <laughs> MILFs on transit will solve all of our problems. Yeah, sweet. Great. So as, as a transit agency, UTA wants to nip any safety problems in the bud before they get bad enough to make the system unusable and Which, to just keep people comfortable and happy. I'm glad they're looking at it now. Well, wh- why is it yep. the blue line specifically, though? Think about where the blue line goes and you'll figure it out. Okay. Uh, old Greek town, planetarium. Okay, final problem with tracks. Span of service. Tracks cannot run any later than it currently does. Why? The good old-fashioned compromise of 1998. Our temporal separation agreement with several freight operators. Yeah, so in the nighttime when tracks is not running and the city is asleep, freight operators use the southern sections of the tracks alignment. There's actually two separate temporal separation areas. There's one out on the red line spur, out to daybreak, which is relatively heavily used and is basically impossible to replace. So that will be staying for foreseeably forever. Unless. Unless. Viaduct. Barring any massive capital projects that are probably not worth it. That'll be staying foreseeably forever. Probably not worth it. And then the other section is on the central corridor between, I think, about 17th-ish south and a bit south of Murray, give or take. Yes. Which is not very much used. They run, like, what, a couple trains a week over that, if that? Maybe a train a week. Yeah, and that is going to be UTA's main focus for increasing track service because that blocks 
all the southbound lines and also blocks access to the rail yard. Well, and also the blue line gets better ridership at night than the red or green line does. Because there's places to go at night around the blue line? On the south end, sure. Yeah, unlike on the red line. (laughs) And downtown. Yeah. Planetarium, gateway area. That's true. Yeah, you could turn the blue line into the drunk train pretty easily. I'm down for that. I support that. Anyway, so UCA will be going after that little bit on the blue line that's only used once or twice a week and blocks access to the rail yard, which is a big blocker for overnight service outside of the freight area on the red line. Well, anyway, if if they solve this issue with the freight railroads for the green and blue line, could they do just a bus bridge at night for the red line portion? They'd probably just, just not run anything. Just ignore it. There's no, the, the red line has just abysmal late evening ridership. So. Yeah, and that, on that alignment, on that alignment, it's pretty physically impractical to make a bus bridge because oh, well, yeah, road connectivity it, out there is ours. So you might just want to... Doesn't wanna, it run along a single road most of the way, though? Part. A okay. little bit. Well, anyway. So they'd probably be better off just pursuing generic late evening bus service in that area if they wanted to do anything. So you're telling me so, Daybreak isn't a hub for evening activity? No. No, not really. Aww. So, yeah, like I said, unlocking access to the rail yard, which would allow them to run overnight airport to downtown or airport to university service, or really whatever they wanted to. Airport to on the street South running. Valley service would probably be my preferred alternative. Yeah, that, that would be good because we can have buses up to the university. That's fine. Or, or you could bring back the old service pattern of yeah. um, arena to university. Sure. Why not? Delta Center? You could Center? probably do that with one train for half-hour service. Yeah, the Delta Center. Which means the signals are correct. <laughs> do we know if they'd actually be able to run the blue line 24-7 if they could fully eliminate the freight section yes. up north? Okay. Because I wasn't sure where the red line I don't know if they would end up doing it, but... I think f- the first step would be a uh, 24-7 service on the downtown trackage, mm-hmm. and then maybe go from there. So anyway, uh, th- 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 span of service problems. That That's the last yeah. problem. So UTA has plans to increase span of service slightly by maybe an hour or two at best, just by negotiating down with the railroads so their time slots match closer with what they actually use, and then hopefully eliminate that section. Yeah. Which leads us into... What is UTA planning to do about these things? We are looking at their latest Future Future of Light Light Rail Rail thing as of January of this year. Correct. So uh, there are five goals that they have set, and we won't forget about the point of the Mountain Transit Project or other proposed expansions (sighs) either. Uh, Plan number one... uh, Expansion and reconfiguration of services. Number two, optimize fleet efficiency. Number three, infrastructure renewal, also known as actually doing maintenance. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Increase the efficacy of TSP downtown and enhance span of service, as Kyle mentioned. Um, I'll start with fleet efficiency. I've been reading through their plan document, and they think they can actually do some fairly substantial um, service expansions from like a rider perspective using barely any more fleet without significantly reducing like the spare fleet margin just by being smarter with the scheduling mostly I think 
and also using some of the extra vehicles they have lying around. Interesting. We do have quite a large fleet for um, such a low ridership system. No offense to us. Like, I am... I th Let me look this up so I'm not wrong. But... So, we have almost... Or just... Let's see. We have 117 light rail vehicles in total. Uh-huh. Uh, with 45 miles of track and 36... Or, let's, let's go with pre-pandemic numbers and 60,000 daily riders... Uh, Portland managed 120,000 riders on 60 miles of track with only about 30 more vehicles. So we have lots we of have, vehicles. We have a lot of vehicles for for yeah. our size. Which leads us into expansion and reconfiguration of services. Oh, which we'll be doing this with is these the vehicles. cursed one. No, we're going we're going to do that one last. Okay. Uh, increase the efficacy of TSP. So I was looking at the plan, that's transit signal priority, making the train go through the stoplight, because trains should only have to stop for passengers and not just for fun. Interesting. Interesting how that works. If you make them stop <laughs> for passengers and for fun, they become a lot less useful and reliable. Anyway, so I looked at their plan, and they're not planning on any, like, fundamental changes in how TSP works. They're just going to squeeze some more out of a few different intersections and iterate on what has and hasn't worked so far. Well, I suppose that's good. I yeah. mean, yep. if you can eliminate the two places that the red line always stops <laughs> on 4th South, that would be a big improvement of its own accord. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'd like to see some, some bigger changes, maybe even crappy CBTC for activating all the signal priority, because sometimes we, we run the signal priority too early and then the train misses it. Sometimes we just don't. Sometimes it gets messed up by the pedestrian signals. Mm -hmm. So... We could do a complete redesign and probably have bomb TSP, but that's not happening. Yeah, well, they outline 19 intersections that are especially crucial. So as long as most of them are along the red line, we'll be good. <laughs> yeah, good incremental improvement. Because that really is where most of the problems are. Like, you sometimes have to stop at 5th and 6th South, but those aren't a big deal. But, like, just on the red line, it just crawls a lot of the time because it has to stop at so many For intersections. long periods of time, yeah. not even just a little bit to get in sync. I don't think I've ever stopped like more than once or twice on the green line, so yeah. out to the airport. Well, I guess the green line's got it easy because North Temple always has a green light going that way, <laughs> so they can just kind of count yeah, themselves out. there's only out. like one intersecting road that's of Redwood. any significance. Yeah, well, because it, I-80 on the south. It also shouldn't be too difficult to make it work to be honest, because they should well, be prioritizing the vehicle that has the most passengers in it, just in general. In principle, yeah. But the I mean, like, the average red red line train in the morning carries, like, half the capacity of, of a fourth-south lane. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. And, and we do know that the red line the did actually train. fix traffic on fourth-south. This is true. This was so, studied by a... Professor, or PhD, or something. Uh, yeah, a professor that we took a class from. Oh, outside. Reed Ewing. Yeah, yeah Reed yeah. Ewing did yeah. a study on that and found that the red line eliminated up to fifteen thousand car trips on any given day. And on for south traffic <laughs> continues to be basically fine. Yeah. Yeah, for south. Yeah, it's not that bad. But I know they. Hopefully, they can do something about it. Even it'll be incremental improvements. Yeah, we're not going to solve any of the problems like when. Two trains are approaching from opposite directions, and the TSP gets activated about 20 seconds too early, so one of the trains makes it on yellow, and the other one has to wait a whole cycle sort of thing. That would require some like pretty significant technological and communications improvements. Which we might need. 
Yeah. Well, oh, are, sure we... are we are we going into uh, no, service expansion? No, no, no. These segues are so good. <laughs> uh, infrastructure renewal. I have uh, received on the UTA grapevine, so take this with a grain of salt. Uh, that we may be looking for a new contractor for track maintenance on both heavy and light rail, given that... What's our current Stacey and Whitbeck? Stacey and Whitbeck sucks. Oh. You've noticed, I'm sure, riding any UTA service. I've noticed the results. Yeah. yeah. So there, there are um, rumors that we're looking to contract with someone else and maybe potentially have good track maintenance. Our current I, track I maintenance is barely enough to keep the trains on the tracks. Yeah. I thought we were trying to teach UDOT how to do track maintenance. I thought that's just construction. Yeah, just construction. You think? Well, it's it might be because good if we get someone outside. I I think it would be good if we did it in house instead of trying to do the American thing of contracting out literally everything. Yeah, I could see why a smaller agency would want to contract it out, but given the amount of track we have and the what amount of maintenance we do, hundred twenty-seven miles. Yeah, the breaking point is when you never stop doing maintenance, and we never stop doing maintenance on the track on the tracks. Or we shouldn't. Yeah, we shouldn't. Even just uh, grade crossing panel improvements are happening essentially, or replacements are happening essentially continuously. So that's yeah. a good example of something to do in house, and like so, like. <sighs> well, it, yeah. it could be worth getting a new contractor for a small period, just until you. You you actually learns how to use equipment. That's and hilarious. Maybe, Instead maybe of they delaying actually, all the projects. Well, yeah, and then maybe if we actually got a good contractor, we could maybe be like, oh, um, could you also help us help teach us? Maybe I can't imagine Crazy. anyone would agree to that, but no, they it's would. Possible. We'd pay them. It's called consulting. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Oh, We'd pay them point. a lot. <laughs> well, anything to make you actually competent. Yeah, at dude, at this point, I just want the track maintenance to be, get done. And I'm not sure I especially care how it gets done, so hopefully ETA can fix this internally. Has um has UDOT been doing the track construction on the recent curve replacements on the red line? Not as far as I'm aware. No. Isn't their first project no. supposed to be front runner double track? They are only meant to be doing construction on new capital projects, not renewal of way projects. So that's like building something explicitly new rather than trying to replace it. Which something. makes sense because you can renew you can delay and cost overrun all the new capital projects as much as you want by screwing <laughs> up the construction progress pro- and um, the process, but you can't really do that with uh, critical maintenance. Yeah. Do, do you know if we've gotten any consulting to actually get them to learn anything? No. Okay, I wouldn't expect us to. Which That'd is why, because we're redoing, because we're redoing the environmental impact study on the front runner forward program because <sighs> UDOT took it over, which means that instead <laughs> of breaking ground this year, we're going to break ground in twenty twenty five or twenty twenty seven. Why are we delaying this project so much? It is it already costs way too much. Great well, question. if it gets delayed, people will be like, oh, so we do need that I-15 expansion sooner. So true, Bestie. We do need that I-15 expansion. <laughs> what if, hilarious concept, we hadn't screwed up the construction timeline for Frontrunner Double Track, and we did Frontrunner improvements before we s- screwed up northbound I-15, and then Frontrunner go zoom and I-15 don't? 
What a crazy idea to pitch to UDOT. And then ridership go burr. Yeah, I don't think UDOT would... Um, it's UDOT. Anyway. UDOT should not be in charge of transit projects for a wide variety of reasons. The Department of Transportation. <laughs> the Department of Highways. <laughs> and the Department um, of quote-unquote transportation. The Department of Highways and Roads to Ski Resorts. Yeah. And I guess random railroads too. So moving on to the horrific, um, or I don't. No, I'm not going to state my opinion yet. Moving on to the interesting and unique uh, (laughs) reconfigurement (laughs) options that that UTA has come up with for tracks. Um, Let's start with the good news. They, good news, the ballpark spur and the 4th south line will be getting, or excuse me, 4th west line will be getting built. Yes, so we'll get track a second street running route coming off of the rail corridor going Which into downtown. Which is very important because it's, as we discussed, we can only put a certain number of trains over the current one. It's essentially required for all good frequency improvements. Yeah, yeah. yeah basically. Um, the bad part entirely result revolves around Salt Lake Central. Ah, Salt Lake Central. Alex, could you give us your uh, opinion of Salt Lake Central? Sure, happily. Um, it sucks. There's no reason the- it should still be our central station as a temporary t- station built for the Olympics. We have two downtown um, regional rail stations. One of them is great, and the other one is Salt Lake Central. Yeah. <laughs> So it's the, in it's in the middle of industrial nowhere, surrounded by the sketchiest part of town. It has horrible tracks connectivity to downtown because you have to make one, two, three, four, five hard curves to get to city center station from it, plus an extra two stations as opposed to North Temple. It has no amenities and is just a windswept plaza once again surrounded by industrial nowhere and it doesn't even have sidewalks connecting to it a lot of the time it doesn't <clears throat> six plus <clears throat> it's about an, a mile from the center of downtown right yep. yeah it's it's way off from the center of downtown like you can walk from north temple to downtown with the reasonable like yeah, because, because you'll start getting into all the church stuff, like, immediately, and then a bit longer to downtown proper. Like two blocks to church property at Temple Square, and three, four blocks to actual downtown. As opposed to Salt Lake Central, where you just get to walk through a bunch of disused and or abandoned stuff. Six and blocks. Poor pedestrian connectivity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Eight, eight, maybe eight blocks. Yeah. So North Temple is a much better location which, with much better tracks connectivity and, and a really cool bridge. Yeah, and a, a good transfer. Bridge. And so many bloody apartments. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. That's like Yimby land right there. Yeah, literally. There's oh, so many five <laughs> over ones. Six over ones. Yeah. Oh my god. If you ever look at those renders, like we were looking at the ones on the Rio Grande plan that were just like, oh, fill like the whole swath with five over ones. They already did that. It would look like this at North Temple. (laughs) (laughs) And it's kind of alarming how much of a stark contrast there is between there and the outskirts of downtown. And and there has so much more building. It shows in ridership numbers. Uh, North Temple tracks and frontrunner combined ridership is. During the school year, close to 3,500. 
whereas Salt Lake Central normally doesn't average more than fifteen or sixteen hundred. Yeah. So by popular vote, Salt Lake Central sucks. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing and that would be good about Salt Lake Central is if UTA built its UTA skyscraper, which I they know they still really build want that. to do. Yeah, they can so, still build that. So the entire problem with their reconfiguration plan revolves around their obsession with trying to make something out of Salt Lake Central. Because we mentioned Salt Lake Central is alarmingly far from the center of Salt Lake. So their plan <laughs> revolves around making a two-block really weird detour with lots of hard turns to get from the tracks alignment over to Salt Lake Central and then Can you back. look through the document so we can get the technical map? Because I believe we are allowed to use it under fair use. Because there's a technical map of what that extension is supposed to look like somewhere in there. I don't remember where. That's the alignment. With the picture map? Yeah. yeah, there are some like satellite maps in here somewhere. Yeah. But essentially, it's really bad and the worst idea ever. And the idea would be to, t- to create a new orange line, so so you're going to run the the red line, you're going to change its alignment, run it down 4th south until it hits 4th west, then make it turn on to 4th west until it can take the ballpark spur back onto the main line. Which is pretty non-controversial. It doesn't really add much travel time and it improves Actually, coverage. I think it decreases travel time. Because the spur goes burr. There's no hard turns. Yeah. Or there's one hard one turn hard instead turn. of... Anyway, so that three. so that part is pretty non-controversial. It doesn't really hurt anything. It just makes coverage better. Uh, but they also want to do this really ridiculous thing where they create a new line called the Orange Line and run all the way down 4th South until it has to diverge around the flyover that at 4th South. That goes over the freight tracks. It's for cars to get and to the freeway interchange. And then turn right to get into the current station at Salt Lake Central. Oh, it's right there. Uh, here we go. Oh, and then, and then... And then you run it along the other, then you run it up second south where the blue line current goes, currently goes, then along fourth west till you get to North Temple and then to the airport. So you'd be running a new line on like as many hard, on like basically all the hard turns in the system. Except, literally except one. Great. (laughs) And you're stopping at two regional rail stations that serve, mind you, the same line. And the same place. And are less than a mile apart. Yeah. Um, We're kind of of the opinion that this is extremely stupid because it is. Um, but they they also plan to do a good thing with this, which is reroute the green line from the airport to Salt Lake Central and reroute the blue line to the airport, which I which think is, is a very positive change. It's a very positive change because that way the blue line, which already is well-loved and goes places, will go even more places. And gives the South Valley access to the airport. Yeah, without any stupid transfers. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, one thing I do see is the orange line would go to Research Park instead of... Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're proposing a, a new, like, little spur to research parks so that they don't have to have two lines end of line at the same place, mostly. Which is fun. Which if is the U wants to do that, good for them. It's their land and their yeah. money. I mean, that's like, maybe the least exciting extension to me. But Well, it it'll is... probably be exciting for all the students who live in the student housing over there in, like, West Village. True. All the new student housing, too. Yeah. That is true. Although a lot of that's already by South Campus. Yeah. Nonetheless, um, the one the one bright side of this is they are 
planning into all of this a quote non-revenue oh, connector unquote as like a separate budget line item presumably so they can try and cancel it later um which would complete the tracks like downtown square so instead of having like the shape of the state of utah downtown that the trains could have wrap around oh no there would just be a normal square which is a minimal number of turns which would allow for sane service patterns in the future after we realize this is dumb. So basically, <laughs> this is extremely stupid and a waste of money, and we think we have a better plan. Also, um, they have a whole list of insane proposed S-line extensions. Oh no, the S-line such line as are so bad. Such as two um, fourth south. Tracks ninth east. Yeah, ninth east. What tracks is that line? South. It goes backwards. Yeah, <laughs> um, and also south onto Highland. They 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 really love to do stupid things with the S line. It is their very favorite. And somewhere in there, they threw a proposal in for a very non-straight downtown streetcar along the primary bus route. Yeah. Which is also dumb because we we're already investing in making that re- really good for buses. There. What do we need a streetcar for? Which would probably go slower than the buses and Much operate slower. worse service. Almost certainly. <laughs> uh, so basically, the, the, those the, the the rerouting of the green and blue lines is a good thing. Having the orange line exist from the airport to the U is a good thing. But, but the alignment I have many questions about the alignment. Yeah, probably the most practical orange line would run from the university, turn on to Main Street, turn on to South Temple, and then go meet North Temple Frontrunner and continue to the airport because that hits by far the most destinations and only one, not two, um, Frontrunner stations. Yes, and so um, given that that plan is stupid and also, oh, the point of the mountain line that UDOT wants to build now. So oh, we are suddenly teleporting from downtown Salt Lake to the, to south, the end south end of, end of Salt, Salt Lake, Lake County. County. Yeah. Um, context, we complain about this fairly often, but the uh, <laughs> blue line could continue on a bunch of old freight right-of-way. Put that a is, picture here of this. Yeah, put a picture. Yeah, that yeah, UTA but, already owns. That UTA already owns and is already completely abandoned. There's and no is service essentially on it, just which fully is, grade separated. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, once you get down into the street, into the side of State Street part, not so much, but it's pretty good. You can and see then, it from space. Yeah, and that, that right-of-way continues all the way to Orem. It's basically the dream light rail right-of-way. And UTA owns it fully. Yeah. And could just put tracks on it whenever they want to. But Liter- in, yeah. But instead of doing this, what they have decided, or what they haven't decided this, UDOT has decided that what they want to do is go from Draper Front Runner and then build a tracks or a BRT or a DMU line. Probably a BRT. To, well, yeah, to Lehigh Front Runner via the sort of They're part of that thing. <laughs> which is probably like one of the least useful alignments you could build anywhere. But they want to use it to develop. The point, which is like TM, shitty daybreak. God's strongest weird shitty daybreak. Yeah, shitty daybreak. Let's go with that. Uh, and and my my contention is a, it the alignment for the better blue line extension, which could eventually go all the way to Vineyard, um, would take you right by this development, and you could just build a pedestrian bridge, and it would with, be wonderful with your special autonomous shuttles that you guys love to talk about so much. Even it's like fucking whatever, yeah, sure. And the business and then, shuttles, yes. yeah. And then the people who live there, since contrary to what Udot likes to say, um, 
you don't like to say that people will live, work, and play here, and it won't make traffic a hellhole around the point of the mountain yeah. again. Um, <laughs> that's not how people work. Especially so, if you don't actually provide them adequate transit service. Yeah, so this blue line extension along the good rail corridor would provide fast, frequent, and convenient service north and south for a long distance to many destinations, not just like three feet to five office buildings in Lehigh. Yeah, not to mention hitting a lot of Draper that... Um, Does not have service right now. Yeah, and, you know, it's not exactly going to be the most fertile ground, but it's, it's not... not with a feeder bus system, it could be. Yeah. Like, the it's the amount of coverage is not dissimilar to Sandy. Draper just doesn't have that sort of density and concentration yet. Mm-hmm. And there is a lot of good space along that alignment for TODs as oh, well. Oh, yeah. So, oh, especially yeah. In, in Lehigh, where there's just a big old open space that you can yeah. turn yeah. into. Currently a farm. Wouldn't mind if it stayed a farm. So, you know, you got options. I would mind if it stayed a farm. If it's next to a tracks alignment. Make it into a park. A parm. A ch- Sure. <laughs> so that's dumb as well. That And that's not a UTA thing. That's actually a UDOT thing. Because UDOT is in charge of this project. For some reason. Which makes no because sense. Because the state knows that they can make UDOT do whatever they want, and they can't do that as easily with UTA. Although yeah. they sure as hell try their best with <clears throat> the board. <clears throat> hey, that's bad. Uh, we came up with a better plan, actually. Extend the blue line. First of all... Yeah, just extend the blue line along the already existing right-of-way to Lehigh. And eventually further. eventually further, as far as Orem. Yeah, we got to start competing again in the world's longest light rail line contest. I know, right? <laughs> LA is going to smash us out of the water soon. Well, it's such an obvious idea, too, to just use the right-of-way everybody knows have this. already. Everybody knows this. And then we have kind of... An improvement to the downtown plans. Oh, uh, the other thing for Point of the oh. Mountain is um, UDOT doesn't seem to have realized that we could just move Draper Frontier Station yeah, yeah. farther south with instead of putting a, the worst shuttle known to humankind. Yeah, you could just move <laughs> Draper Frontrunner to be next to the point, and then your problem is solved. That would actually also improve station spacing because Draper is really far from Lehigh and really close to South Jordan. Yes. So that would be a network improvement as well. Yes, Ooh. that's actually true. Um, and all three people who were using it to reverse commute to those office buildings <laughs> in Draper can take a normal Hey, bus. it might be like 15, okay? Yeah, I love I reverse like commuting to Draper. I see some people get on and off there sometimes. <laughs> and we can reroute the IKEA flux bus. Yes, we can recruit, reroute the F514, which goes to Ikea and nothing else. Maybe run a low floor on that so we can go buy furniture. <laughs> okay, but it's going to take a sec for me to describe the downtown plan. So yeah, basically, what we do is very simple. We don't do the Salt Lake Central stupid thing. Yeah, so essentially, as far as trackage goes, it would be the same as UTA's plan without the Salt Lake Central deviation. But in terms of service patterns, we have a little different idea. So the blue line should still go to the airport, the green line should still go to Salt Lake Central, and the orange line should run along North Temple, then Main Street, and then up to the university. Pretty simple, Maximizing right? Maximizing utility for all these lines, and no contest on the red line alignment. Yeah, no con- the red line alignment, that's a great idea all around. I have no yeah. complaints. Yeah. Um, but then we have two other lines that are highly underutilized and sitting... Oh, not the Green Line should not go to Salt Lake Central. That was Because we're making Salt Lake Central not 
Yeah, it's just going to go away because it doesn't need <laughs> to exist. There's a wonderful parking lot right next to North Temple that they could convert into a Salt Lake Central-sized bus loop. And it's got great connectivity to all the local streets under North Temple Bridge. So just move just the bus loop there. Just of Salt Lake Central. It does not need to exist. Yeah. It's a waste of time on the front-runner schedule and just... It's, it's yeah. only value is... Because the bus is end of line there. Yeah. And for all three people who successfully take transit to the Amtrak, um, <laughs> the Amtrak's there. We can the run a shuttle bus for that. Yeah. The, uh, no one has ever ridden transit to Amtrak. Well, because transit doesn't run when the Amtrak's <laughs> there. enough for Amtrak to be there. Yeah. <sighs> so, um, but our plan for the Green Line is... And the S line is actually oh, where our S plan line. is set apart. Yes, because you see, Alex, why would you say the S line is useless? Um, well, no one rides it. The frequency is interesting. And the frequency feels really lacking given how short it is. It's not a streetcar. And it doesn't <laughs> go anywhere. Well, actually, you're wrong. It well, goes to one yeah. place, which is Yeah, it goes to one place, but nowhere else. So our plan... Is to make it go to more than one place, yeah. thereby making it a transit <laughs> line. Just just stick it, oh, and we'll have a map of this service pattern up, but just stick it, turn it into a regular light rail line, fully double track it, upgrade it to 35, remove a couple stations that don't need to exist, probably, I would say, 5th East and... Uh, Sugarmont. Which is easy enough because when the S line was built, space was very, very carefully set aside for a second tr- track along the entire route. Very true. And it's double tracked over State Street already. Already, yeah. It is. Yeah. And then just send it downtown where it will run as the counterclockwise loop around the new square of track that we have. And then it will go back to uh, Fairmont. And then the green line will run as the clockwise loop downtown. Massively increasing the utility of both the S-Line and the Green Line. Yes, because now we're going to have a downtown circulator and an ability to get downtown from both the end of the Green Line and the end of the S-Line. Yeah, and if you haven't noticed, the uh, West Valley to airport connection that the Green Line theoretically provides is essentially useless because you've got to go really slowly all the way east into downtown and then pretty fast all the way back out. And that connection would be better served by just getting on the Redwood Road bus. Yes. Um, another interesting thing uh, is we could uh, grade separate 21st South, 17th South, and 13th South. For context, these are the three grade crossings that would be used by all five, four? All four, all four of these track lines. Tracks lines. Yeah. Because beyond south of that, the green line and the S line split off, so you only have two, so you're kind of okay. And so this has all of the kind of connectivity benefits that we're touting here. It also has another benefit because it would allow us to run at least eight-minute service on the red and blue lines as well as up to ten-minute service on the green and silver lines. Yeah, we'd essentially alleviate all track capacity constraints with this second route through downtown. And the grade separation, which would allow us to actually run 30 trains an hour along the central corridor. It would, yes. So... This but also, would, would very... also solve a lot of our operating problems. Yeah. So this would be a much better use of resources. And, you know, if you insist on keeping Salt Lake Central around, 
then you can just preserve that trackage for some day when you need to do a new tracks line from Davis County South and That's it needs somewhere true. to end of line. Or you can just get rid of it entirely and do the real grand plan and you will have a lovely track station less than 400 feet away from the new Rio Grande terminal. Yeah. So yeah. this tracks plan is just a better developed version of what the Rio Grande plans creators presented as a pairing for their frontrunner plan. So we can build them in either order. We should almost certainly build tracks first because that is a significant transit improvement. The Rio Grande plan is a development project, not a transit project. So we can build this now, and we are set up for success with the Rio Grande plan later if we so decide to do it. And once again, we can run basically as much frequency as we want to, which is very important for encouraging tracks ridership to not be garbage anymore. Yeah, and also <laughs> important as we continue to add residential infill downtown and even around suburban track stations, mm -hmm. because you want these people riding the train. Yes. For a bajillion and a half different reasons. Yeah. So it, it's a blessing in disguise that the S-Line is not a streetcar. Yes, actually, yeah, actually. I would say that's a huge blessing because we have this this corridor that we could really make something out of if we want to. They're not streetcar vehicles, so they can actually run light rail service. It wouldn't even be difficult to convert the two S-Line vehicles They just took the couplers into... off the regular trains. Yeah, and <laughs> limited them to 35. Or 25. 25. No, they're speed limit. They're, they're governed to 45. Oh, I thought they were governed to 25. No. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, so as is well known, the S-Line was carefully contrived to uh, look like a street car, even though it's just a crippled light rail line. Yeah. <laughs> I would also say extend it to Westminster, because that yeah. would be nice. Yeah, that, that's by that far the be best fantastic. return on investment for an S-Line extension. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then someday maybe we can do a 9th South streetcar because that would probably be a pretty decent spot for a streetcar. Yeah, honestly. run it on the 9 line. Mm -hmm. Or even just on 8th South. <laughs> There's not that much stuff eight by the nine line. Eight tracks. If we're doing it on eight south, there's no space for a tracks line on eighth. Well, there's enough space for a tracks line on uh, ninth south once you get over the freeway to the west side. Well, yeah, but not on the so east side. I, I wish this is something that UTA and UDOT and the state actually would think about before doing these massive road projects, because the road's brand new now. The nine line trail is brand new. Yeah, well, that's more of just a long term cran. There's no short term practical transit benefit to doing that project. Yeah. Well, it would be development. It'd still benefit, be nice. Though. Yeah, it would be nice. That's on the nice list. But so why, why do it once when you can do it yeah. twice? So. so UTA's future of light rail current plan overall looks better quite than nothing. Well, not just that. I'd say it looks quite good on most all fronts. While we're going to hate on how much they love Salt Lake Central, they are building the critical piece of trackage that will allow them to shift away from that plan in the future. When they realize it's stupid. Yeah, so they're not shooting themselves in the foot by any means. But I just wish that they would adopt the good plan first of all. Yeah, and instead of wasting money on the bad plan. Yeah, and if they're so tied to Salt Lake Central, just rename North Temple Salt Lake Central. <laughs> and just, that just might actually Salt do Lake it. Salt Lake Central to Salt Lake Amtrak Station. Or well, Salt and there's Lake, that there's that giant know. parking lot 
on the other side, not the one that you want to use for uh-huh. a bus loop, but the other one, they can build their like forty story UTA skyscraper there instead yeah. of at Salt Lake Central. Uh-huh. And that that would honestly be a bit more iconic and fit into the skyline a bit more. Yeah. Like. But oh, and better yet. Treating uh, North Temple as, like, the primary focus as a central station will also let them keep their uh, bus garage in the same place and not worry about it because you can pretty readily feed out of that straight up onto 5th West. They could even build a new connector road. So. And then they wouldn't have to worry about increasing density, pushing the bus garage farther out. Yep. So, so, so basically, I'm going to be honest, we're probably going to be agitating for this plan pretty hard. I'm working with a civil engineer friend of mine to draw up some legit plans for it so that we can be like, do do a new version of the Rio Grande plan where they're like, this is a citizen proposal to drastically improve transit service. And Yeah, it would be a good pairing because the Rio Grande plan is a frontrunner plan. It is not a tracks plan. The tracks is just mentioned because we should be doing that anyways. Yeah, so we need a, a tracks plan for the future that allows us to increase service, increase downtown connectivity, and increase the utility of our stupidest line. Yeah, and we're also in about the optimal position in uh, UTA's planning cycle to make this sort of proposal because as far as I'm aware, they haven't even started on an EIS or funding for any of this stuff. So this is the state of the process where they'll be most open to changes like the one we just proposed. Also, there is optimal funding now to have a plan like that looked into, similar to how they're looking into the Rio Grande plan. True. Is this more Joe Biden's doing? This could be Um, actually, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure there's still money floating around. Not to mention potential 2030 Olympics bid. Yeah, no, this would be great for the 32. Olympics. It would actually be, because right. with minimal new infrastructure, we could have a massive capacity improvement. Which would be very important if we have the Olympics again. Yeah. yeah I think 34 is a bit, right? Yeah, I, I thought 30 was decided. Oh, okay. Yeah. 30's been decided. We're officially bidding for 34. Where's 30 yeah. going? Uh, Canada? Somewhere cool. Yeah, not here. That's not here. <laughs> not here. So anyway, uh, that's been the episode. Any closing thoughts, everybody? I'm glad UTA has a concrete and published plan to make these improvements. So that we sometime. can criticize it. Yeah, as opposed to what UTA often likes to do, which is just not anything. Yeah. Um, I don't know. At least they're thinking about actually doing stuff. But um, yeah. I do think... I know. I think the plan you guys have come up with is really good. Aw, thank you. No, seriously. I think it's much better than the UTA plan. (sighs) Well, sometimes it it does take an outsider's perspective. Yeah, someone who's not emotionally attached to Salt Salt Lake Lake Central. Central. The temporary (laughs) station that is nowhere. UTA has a fetish for Salt Lake Central, I think. (sighs) it, It just makes logistical sense your guys' plan yeah. over the UTA plan. But yeah. we'll see. So, uh, yeah. Please remember to like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube and to leave us a rating on iTunes and Spotify. If you like what we do here, you can become a member on Patreon. Patrons get early access to our regular content as well as exclusive content as often as we can management. Or wait, manage it. Management, manage it. Same thing. <laughs> Not really. But, you know. Um... Yeah, our patrons are... I'll pull it up. Give me a sec. You can just read it off here. That's too far away. Squint harder. 
skill issue? Uh, at super duper uber hyper pooper uh, <laughs> electrified front runner tier, we have Zach Adams sixty nine point six nine dollars a month. At uh, remove one of those adjectives tier, we have generic GT <laughs> at thirty five dollars per month. At regular frontrunner tier, $10 a month, we have Curtis Herring, Devin Zander, Mike Christensen, and Phobos2390. Uh, thank you. Um, at yeah. our red line tier, $5 a month, we have Brian Smith, Christopher Whaley, DJ. Hi, Will. Watkins, thank you. <laughs> Elijah, <laughs> Elijah Kensler, Jacob Whitecotton, Jesse Mayo, Reluctant LA Resident, Robert P. Walsh, and Scott Harris. Thank you. Uh, blue line tier, $3. We have oh, the newly extended blue line tier, $3. We have Alex Dykelski, Ben Busath, Bradley Bondi, Ethan McDonald, Evelyn, G4, Gonza12, Jack Dean, John Heron Gorman, Martin Hacker Martinez. Ah, it returned. <laughs> Matt Gray. I wonder if they listened to it on Patreon, the last Might episode, have. which is up. Uh, Matt Gray, Seth, Zach Verstott, and. Oh, uh, at $1 green line tier. Capil or Capel, I can't tell. Thanks. Yeah. Y'all, y'all are the best. Your chats. Uh, Metro Season 1 coming <laughs> 2084. Uh, OGX video coming uh, probably like next m- Tuesday. Um, <laughs> Augers. So, yeah. Well, and maybe merch coming soon. Maybe, maybe, maybe another merch drop coming. What flavor of merch are we thinking? I don't know. Um, I was thinking maybe we could look at doing pins. Okay. Um, maybe I could get access we to will a have the, um I'm going to... So so if you're a frontrunner tier patron, you should listen to this. Uh, I am creating um, you some unique gifts for the end of this year. So oh, just yeah. to say thank you. They will be uh, pieces of historic Salt Lake City streetcar uh Ties? Ties, yeah. In You got from 9th and 9th, right? That I got from 9th and 9th in... Um, epoxy. Epoxy, probably, with a little plaque that says thank you. So be yeah. looking forward to that, I guess. Thanks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, thank you, patrons. Um, hopefully, we'll have some cool stuff coming out. Well, yeah. not hopefully, definitely, we will definitely. have cool stuff coming out. All right. Good episode. That was a good episode. I like trains.